0: Graham, what's your guess here? Titles to get me banned on YouTube? What's up, my little demons and ghouls and devils and maggots and all the little wriggly-crawly things that live in the earth this point? No, we're not going. We're not going satanic in, in this video. I'm not. You know, getting you involved in Wiccan or anything like that. Like it was, you know, post nineties craft all those kinds of things no we're we're not we're not doing that i'm talking but we are talking rituals we are talking rituals today so apologies if you join this video expecting some sort of magic with a k none of that's happening here i do know about it and i don't involve myself within it i've like many things the world ruined those things and i'm no longer a believer i do own one piece of not crystal but it's like a it's like a geode situation that a friend sent me. It's meant to help you through tough times. It looks like a pool ball. Pool. You know, like a pool. like you, Not a pool, like a swimming situation, but a pool, like a shooting. No, not shooting. Playing. Yeah, you shoot pool. You shoot pool. The one with the sticks and the balls. You know what I'm talking about. Either way, it's shiny and glittery and it's quite nice to look at. So I keep that around. <clears throat> But other than that, no, we're not talking about that. What I'm talking about is that when you're when you're growing up, you know, when you're growing up in the world out there, and you're realizing that everything's not as peachy keen as you once thought it was. Look at me throwing out the old vintage slang. Uh, you kind of come to realize that you need something. Right, you need something to help you cope. And I think personally that we don't get taught coping mechanisms as children. I think the only thing I got taught coping mechanism wise. As a child was to take a deep breath. This was something we were told quite a lot. Take a deep breath and count to ten. So let's try that. right Let's think about all the things which go and wrong in the world, all things which just make us mad, angry, anxious, sad. Take a deep breath with me, and we 'll count to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Nope, I'm still anxious. That's. <laughs> it doesn't work. I find it doesn't work. Deep breaths do work, though. That is something which uh, I, I found quite well, not recently, but I found throughout my life. It's actually a thing which I find helps me sleep. If I can get to sleep, I do this thing where I lay there and I think about everything my body's touching. Right? That may sound insane. That may sound like a strange thing to do. Because you're like, Graham, you're just in bed. Your body's touching your bed. But no, no, no. What I'm saying is, is you close your eyes. And you you lay there in your bed. And you start at your toes... And you think about every single thing your body is touching so your toes, your toes are touching the sheets, can you feel your toes against your other toes, you've got the palm of your foot, your palm of your foot touches your sheet or your quilt or your bed, but can the palm of your foot feel your other foot do you feel the other foot touching the other foot, and you you kind of really focus on all these minutiae of details and you'll find that your eyes inside your head will try to track it and the more your eyes move under your eyelids, the more you kind of get a little bit tired, by the time you've taken these slow deep breaths throughout this entire process, worked all the way up to your skull, your eyes will be very tired and you'll probably feel like you need to fall asleep, so you know you do, they also say taking 10 deep breaths will make you fall asleep Um, so you know, it, it is good advice but counting to 10 does not you know, a calm person make, counting to 10 is not a ritual which I engage in and I don't think you know, people do but it's what you tell kids to count to 10 and it's it, you tell them to count to ten because you're basically just taking, telling them to consider their surroundings. You know, when you get an upset toddler, you're saying count to ten, calm down for a second. Without saying calm down, because nobody likes to being told to calm down. It's, it's the opposite of what you want to hear when you're pissed off. Is calm down. Everyone knows that. The only idiots call it, tell people to calm down. So calm down a little. We're going to move forward now. <clears throat> What was I talking about? So I was watching a video the other day. I was watching a Wheezy Waiter video. If you don't know who Wheezy Waiter is, you should check him out. He's hilarious and makes very good content. And is probably one of the main reasons I'm actually on YouTube. So, you know, you can see where I get some of what I do from. Now, I was watching a video where they're going without alcohol for a year. So they've done it before for a month or so. But they're going without alcohol for a year. And they were making a video about mocktails, essentially. Non-alcoholic cocktails. And they were having a fun evening together... China and Craig, Wheezy Wayer, and their wife, all the way around. I've just confused everybody. Um, and they were making these cocktails and having a good time about it. And they were saying there's something about the act and the process of doing it that actually helps kind of the situation. Like, I, you know, if you went to a friend's house, you probably wouldn't think to yourself, we're going to make fake pot- cocktails. We're going to make, you know, Non alcoholic cocktails and have a good time. You say, like, No, you want that social lubricant, you want that little thing, you know, to get you off the edge of anxiety and, you know, calm you down. But they were having a good and jo- jolly old time and having a laugh and all this kind of stuff. And they were saying that most of it is just having an activity to do together, something to do together. It doesn't matter what the end result of it is, it's having something to do, it's engaging in that catharsis. And there's a, there's a line which China mentioned about the ritual of all, and it made me think back to one of my videos ages ago where I talked about giving up coffee so I went without coffee for a month because I'm an idiot and I didn't realise just how deep in the hole I was with coffee and I'm still deep in the hole on coffee but I know that that's my cross to bear and they'll bury me in a casket made of caffeine and my heart will just give up one day it won't die, it'll just give up it'll just go, you know what Graham, this is fucking pointless you're erratic as hell, I'm out of here and away we go and I will just be left on the ground decaying and something else will crawl into my chest like a small cat or something because it'll be box shaped and cats like boxes and that's just that's just how the world works sorry that's, yeah. end of the show there, that's just how the world works but I got me thinking about that and I remember mentioning in that that I'd started drinking hot milk and started drinking uh, milk with a little bit of honey in it uh, and that that Became an escape for me it became a distraction and it's because what I wasn't actually missing whilst I was having physical effects from missing caffeine and you know enjoying those those things I was missing the ritual of sitting there with my hands around a mug and just thinking you know what you know like a like a middle aged housewife or something hands around the mug in a nice sweater at my table <sighs> no I, was, I just miss this I miss having stuff in my hands I've got a mug in my hand right now it's not got anything in it it says death before decaf on it and I truly believe that um You miss that. You miss the activity. You miss the process of just going down, putting the kettle on, making things. I've I've told the story many times to friends. I may have even told it on the podcast. I've made coffee in my sleep. I sleepwalk on occasion and I talk in my sleep. I've literally gone downstairs. I've put coffee, sugar into a mug and filled it with water and taken it back to bed because that's what I do every single morning of my life. I didn't boil the kettle. Luckily, it could have been a lot worse. That's something I've done every single day of my life, which means it's a ritual for me. It is part of my daily being and it is something I actually turn to when I'm in a bad mood, bad situation and need to, you know, relax and recenter myself, as it were, to use a term which I'm not particularly a fan of. But I do it all over and it's something which I've done when I travel as well looking at the world, and I've talked about traveling on your own before, I think one of those things it's important to do is to have something like that. Something which reconnects you with where you were and what you were doing at any one time. I like having a coffee because, I mean, one, it's delicious, but two, because it's a long, fairly long process, or it doesn't have to be a long process, but it's 20 minutes. It's about 20 minutes. It's a 20-minute process. The thing we're having a cigarette. For a lot of people, it's a cigarette. You know, you have a smoke. A smoke takes about 15, 20 minutes to have a proper smoke, to do it at a pace, which is comfortable. And you are standing alone with a cigarette in a hand, actions there, taking a drag, going, yeah, this is, this is okay. I'm, I'm recentered, realigned. It's the classic image of someone who works in retail or restaurants, standing outside, getting an escape from the absolute noise of the inside of a store and customers and commerce and all these things, and just taking a break. And I can completely appreciate that. And that's what having a coffee is to me. It is having a cigarette without having a cigarette. It is stepping back and taking 10 seconds' breath. It is screaming into the void whilst completely silent. That's what it is. And that's why I like engaging people in these things. This is why, you know, yelling at concrete is is what it is. Is the format that it is. It's sit down have a coffee with me. That's... Because it allows people this space, it allows you that hour and that ritual. This is ritualistic, this is this is a whole process, this podcast. For many of you, this may be part of your ritual. This may be what recensers you, sitting here listening to me rambling on some nonsense. But I think the reason I wanted to discuss this is I think you're never really taught these things. You're not you know, your parents are busy trying to teach you how to deal with the world, and friends are busy trying to teach you with the world. Friends will tell you all kinds of things. And media will tell you all kinds of things. Influence will tell you all kinds of things. You need to do yoga. Yoga will recenter you. You need to go out, do a drive, take a walk, do all of these things. I've told people to take a walk because I think there's great value in taking a walk, but I don't do it to center me in any way, shape, or form. I do it to clear my head. It's not recentering me. It's ignoring the world around me. That's what doing a walk is. And I think there's an important value in teaching these things, but never teaching them what you do, you know, if that makes sense. I don't feel like I should tell you to go make yourself a cup of coffee. I don't feel like telling you that it will have the same reaction for you as it does to me, and it won't. Let's be realistic about it. It won't, because I've done this since I was like 14 maybe even younger. That's how long I've been drinking coffee. And that's how long I found that process. So I'm going to set you a vivid image right now. I think I, I may have told this before. I'm just going to keep I mean, I've, I've made like 200 episodes at this point. There's probably a chance I'm going to repeat myself. Anyway, so when I was in school, which is when I started drinking coffee, but it's like senior school. So we're talking ages like you know 12 through to 16, 17 some point in that time, I started drinking coffee on a regular basis. I'd drink it in the morning before I went to school, and then I used to take a thermos with me of coffee. That's something I started to do. I started to take a thermos of coffee with me, and I would drink it on my lunch break on the school field where I sat and ate my sandwiches, uh, usually with a friend or one and then a friend of mine, Mark, we started going to his house on school lunches because he lived very close to the school. So we'd do that, and then on occasion... (laughs) I wouldn't be allowed in the house, because Mark's brother, and Mark will probably never see this, was a bit of a dick. So he didn't want me in the house, and I wasn't particularly allowed in the house at that time. So what I would do is I would stand in the alleyway, which was next to his house and between another house. We'd call it a snicket for where I come from, <coughs> because I'm north, north-east Lincolnshire. Um, so I'd, call, I'd hang out in the snicket, and I'd stand there and eat a sandwich and drink my coffee. And it was awkward, very awkward, and it looked weird. It would look weird to anybody passing by. It would look weird to anyone nipping their head in, going, why is there a teenager standing in this alleyway with a thermos and a coffee? But it never felt weird. It never felt weird because I was away from school, away from day-to-day anxiety, exams, peer pressure, all those kinds of things, standing on my own, but I had a cup of coffee in my hand. Just sipping away, enjoying life, taking a moment, a breather, away from everything else. And just being okay with it. Yeah. You know? That's what made it great. That's what allowed me that escape. That's what made me, you know, recentered me. And I discovered that. I discovered I could do that. And I think people need that. People need to discover that thing and realize when it is that thing. That's the other part. Obviously, there is negatives to this. And you know, it's not all silver linings and playbooks and all that kind of stuff. It is a real coverage of what you do to cope, right? And this this can have negative effects. They can have effects on you in hugely negative ways because people will turn to the wrong things, like having a cigarette. That's a thing which a lot of people turn to in stressful times. They turn to it as an escape. They turn to it as a getaway. And obviously that's going to have huge implications on your health down the line. Drinking coffee is going to have implications on my health down the line. I know that. But it is less, you know, toxic, less intrusive on my overall health as having a cigarette. Drinking is another major thing. It becomes a ritual. You get home. You think, I'll have a drink. I'll have a drink every single day. I'll drink a bottle of wine in the space of, a, like, a night. That's ritualistic. And you can... Not clock when that has become your ritual as well. Because you'll think to yourself, oh no, it's just something I do to relax. Or it's just, a you know, one thing or a night. Not realising that your heart rate's gradually going up. Not realising that you're gradually destroying yourself. And I'm not saying that you can't do that. That's your right to do that. That's your way of doing it. But just recognise it. Recognise it and engage in it in such a way. If you're doing that and you know that that's the thing you do, realise the implications of it. In the same way I realise the implications of coffee. I know the effect it has on me I know what it will mean for my health down the line and it is my decision then it is a control because I feel like if you recognize it and you know it it's even more comforting isn't it it's even more comforting to sit there and say okay I have a drink every single night I don't want to stop having a drink every single night so now you control it though now it's part of your process now it's something which you're dealing with and obviously when that changes and it becomes something other people have to deal with then you need to think again. Then you need to think whether this is turning into a problem. And you can change that. And you can change that if you are in that situation. I don't want to get too modeling on this. It was a nice conversation about coffee. But if you were in a ritualistic action and you are engaging in behavior or a coping mechanism which is destructive to the people around you as well as yourself, you can change that and you can escape that and you can get help. So please do. But if you're also flailing in the mist, living in a high anxiety, high stress environment, living in a capacity where every single day you're failing to have an escape and failing to have a moment to yourself, you need to find yourself a ritual. You need to find something where you're drawing a pentagram on the floor and sacrificing a goat to get that cup of coffee to make it through the day. And there's a million and one things you can do there really is a million and one things you could do it could be having a hobby it can be, you know, sewing going for a walk walking the dog sitting down, having a cup it can be anything it can just be staring at the wall for 20 minutes and some people do I remember a story a friend told me once of uh, a man who used to sit in a car outside their house every single day He'd drive home, he'd park up, he'd sit in the car, and he'd eat a chocolate bar. And then he'd go inside. And it was about 30 minutes. Every single day, he'd turn up every single day, sit there, eat this chocolate bar, and then they'd go inside. And they ended up asking him one day, why you do this? Why why is why is this a thing for you? And the answer was, in the end, quite sad and quite simple... Their partner was either allergic to, or didn't allow, chocolate in the house. And they needed that break. They needed that coping mechanism. And that single bar of chocolate was an escape. It was a rebellious act. But it centred them every single day. If I'm having this, I'm having it in my car, we we are good. Everything's back where it should be. The keys on the piano are no longer jumbled, and I am able to play on with the tune of the day. And I think that within society is almost more important than any level of self care, any level of you know giving yourself a break or that kind of thing, just an activity every single day, just a simple, crucial activity to bring you back to centre because if you don't, what do you do? You burn out. I don't like using the language of you know self care and self preservation and all those of things because I don't feel people respond to it. I don't think people do. I think people see it as, as as a soft language. And whilst it's all true, I think it's better to look at it from a functional point of view for a lot of people. Because that's what they're comfortable with. And some people will never change their ways. We all know that. I know that. I mean, I'm getting to that point where I can't change my ways. I had this discussion the other day of whether I could have roommates or not. No, I'm 32. I'm a grumpy old man. In the eyes of a lot of people. But in the eyes of the internet but I will take you to, <laughs> take you to you know, rehab, I will help you get better, I will give you ways to cope, talk to you about ways you can cope, find the things which give you that space of peace of mind. There was a whole theory about bathrooms being these places. I don't know if you remember it. But bathrooms, bathrooms in houses are sacred spaces. Ask any parent, ask any parent with a child, bathrooms are sacred spaces. They are the only space in a house which allows you complete confinement without any questions. You're in the bathroom. Something's going on. Doesn't matter what you're doing in the bathroom. Doesn't matter. It does, not nobody else's business. You're in the bathroom. That is your personal business. We all recognise that. That is a human trait. That is a societal construct. but That is a human trait. You're in the bathroom. You're dealing with yourself. That's fantastic. That's great. That's something we should embrace more so. Having a bath is a great thing. Having a dump is a great thing going for a week takes you no time at all but it gives you that little bit of a space doesn't it gives you that little bit of a space i find these rituals all the time i find them wherever i go i mean as i say i have coffee as a thing for me when i'm in a high anxiety situation i go find myself a cup of coffee and i go sit and I have a cup of coffee i've been in a fairly fair amount of high stress situations within the past year and within all of them my answer has been go back go make a cup of coffee, go grab a cafe from, you know, anywhere, just go sit, find a space, find a bench, chill out, sit and drink a cup of coffee. And I have done that every single time and I have felt better every single time for doing it. When I'm traveling, it's the first thing I do is find myself a cafe, locate somewhere and go get a cup of coffee. Now that's partially addiction, but it's also just ...finding that little gap... ...and I've I found it all the time... ...I've had jobs... I don't, ...I don't smoke cigarettes anymore... ...and that's finding a space... ...I've worked in pubs and nightclubs... ...so what did I do? I used to go down to the cellar... ...I'd go down to a cellar... ...and I'd drink a bottle of VK... ...or a bottle of J2O... ...whatever I could get my hands out... ...out of line of sight of the cameras... ...and that's what I'd do... ...I'd sit... ...and I'd give myself ten minutes... ...and that's all it would be... ...and then I'd be back... ...on the dance floor... ...collecting glasses... ...serving drinks being dealt with the noise and the chaos that is a nightclub but I found myself a space I found myself 10 minutes and nobody really notices when you disappear for 10 minutes it's just finding yourself those gaps and I think that's incredibly important and ritualistic and these are the rituals you can pass on to children not drinking not smoking particularly but teaching them that it's okay to have 10 minutes teaching them that it's okay that if they want to shut off for 10 minutes and they want to find something to do that's great people get so obsessed with bringing kids into environments and forcing them into interactions you know get off your phone get your music out your head stop doing this they are just coping they are they are dealing with a crucial point in life and they are creating a coping mechanism for themselves don't remove them from that engage with that they like music sit and talk to them and have some music Go, you know okay cool you you know you're doing that i'm gonna do that and then you might even have to have a conversation about music they're playing a game okay well you know find out a little bit about the game maybe play some games which you used to play maybe they'll take interest in that connect with them on some level not even children just everyone partners family members everyone find something which they are doing to disconnect and you'll understand them way better You also understand when they're in a bad mood, when they're struggling, and when they need help. This turned into a bit of a ramble. As it usually does. Maybe more so than usual. Because there was a weird camera interruption in the middle. You may not have seen it. I may have edited it to perfection. But there was. It happened. There was a brief moment. A ritualistic moment. All I'm saying is, find your peace of mind. That's the thing to ask ourselves, right? Where is your mind? Where's yours? And what's your ritual? I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.